Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. morning, Hamilton Hills. Good to see you. Um, can I get two things out of the way real quick? Number one, uh, just state the obvious, the shirt that Ty was wearing in the video right there, just going to get it out of the room. And then number two, can we have a moment of silence for Andrew Luck and his announcement? Um, so you, you seem a little, you know, uh, sad right now, but uh, that didn't go over well, did it? But I'm glad that you're here, glad that you're part of the service. Um, this is the last week at 11.15, so you have to come earlier next week if you're going to be here, um, 9 and 10.30. Uh, I got a nice uh, shirt on uh, that if you sign up for next week, we're having our go week, uh, and if you sign up for it, you get a free shirt uh, in service for uh, what we're doing in our go week. So I thought uh, that I would wear it, so they played a joke on me. They sent the shirt home with me, or Stephen brought it home last night, and I thought everybody on stage was wearing it. And I'm the only one, so joke's on me. And then I was a little offended because uh, it was Lexi. Lexi sent me a, a double X and an XL, just in case. And uh, I'll have everybody in this room know that it is an XL, okay? So back up. Um, uh, <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of our gather grow strategy. We do this every year. It's out of the book of Acts, and today is on grow. Uh, gather, grow, go. Would you say that with me? Gather, grow, go. Uh, people gather a lot. Uh, people have different gatherings. Gathering in a worship service, gathering uh, at a sporting event, gathering uh, in life in general. I think one of the things that really sticks out to people is growing. Uh, I think it's probably one of the most difficult things in church life because so many things get in the way. I'll, I'll never forget uh, when I was younger with Lori, we had, our children were smaller, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but people who were older would come by and we'd have all of our kids together, chase them around, and, and they'd come by and go, hey, just remember, this is going to go by really fast. I, I used to kind of get offended by that, I'm like, uh, it, maybe it went by fast for you, but it's not going to go by fast for us, and now today I'm saying, uh, hey, rearing children goes by really fast. Fast. How many of you agree with that today? Now, how many of you would like it to go faster who have children still in the home? Uh, amen. Uh, but it goes by really fast. You know, I was thinking about my life. Um, I started a church in Las Vegas, uh, and I was 26 years old. And when I was 26 years old, the church grew really fast, and sometimes I would come into a room, and, and I would introduce myself, and people would say, so you're the children's pastor, and, or you're the student pastor. Uh, I used to get offended by that. But it's been a long time since someone said, you're the children's pastor or the student pastor. Uh, I, I now I'm the older guy on the team. It's amazing how quick time flies. It's amazing how quick uh, you go through life and there's some things you wish you could take back. Uh, how many of you would even admit this week there's probably some things you have said or done that you wish that you could take back? Uh, I, I, I would admit that. And, and through life, you, you start looking at life. The older you get, 
and you go, man, where did the time go? Not only that, you look in, in, in when, especially when, when you get uh, my age in your mid-40s or, uh, well, I'm, I'm early 40s, not mid. My wife's more mid than me. And, and you, you, you get that age and you start going, man, I wish I would have taken care of myself a little better. I'll never forget when I first met my wife, Lori, uh, I grew up in the South. Uh, all my relatives are from just about from Georgia, the Athens and Atlanta area. Uh, I, I grew up with real American food, fried food, fried chicken. Can I get a witness in the house of God? Collard greens, and uh, you always had to have some kind of cobbler, peach cobbler and apple pie. And, and this was just Tuesday's dinner. And, and, and we ate like uh, there was no tomorrow. I met my wife. My wife is from Northern California, San Jose, San Francisco area. And I'll never forget, I was 19 years old and, and I flew out there to uh, have Thanksgiving with them. And man, when we, we did Thanksgiving at the Neal House, I mean, turkey, dressing, all the desserts you can imagine, uh, all the unhealthiness in one room. Uh, if you're going to have a heart attack, it's going to be Thanksgiving Day. I'll go to Lori's house and I did not know this about her as of yet, but um, her family was very healthy. In fact, can I just say this to you? If you put fruit in your turkey dressing, you are not right. Uh, the first bite of turkey dressing at their house, it had fruit in it. And I'm like, what in the world? I am marrying into a cult. And uh, uh, they had healthy drinks there. You had water. You had juice. It was all natural. And uh, I thought, man, can I get some dessert? Dessert was just a cup of fruit with uh, uh, stuff like that. They were really miserable people. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're all about our health. And Lori's always been just a health fanatic. Uh, even in early in marriage, you know, I, I, I was not too inclined to the way she ate. And she would eat salad. And I would say, hey, since you're eating salad, I'll eat your meat too. And things like that. And over the years, uh, we were rearing children together. Our children didn't get growing up. Uh, when they were small, Lori was really emphatic. She, she was healthy before it was cool to be healthy, uh, but no uh, Kool-Aid and no soda, uh, only special occasions. And, and I'll never forget, every time Lori would go out, she wouldn't be home for dinner or, or uh, there would be a women's event at church or she, she would be going somewhere and I got to do dinner. Uh, my kids loved me because that's when they got sick a lot. Uh, because uh, we had pizza, we had ice cream. In fact, I'll never forget, I think my oldest son, Stephen, he was like in sixth grade, and uh, him and Jonathan got really sick. And my wife came home, and she's like, Mark, the kids are really sick. Uh, what did you feed them? I said, oh, nothing. Uh, I think they got car sick until uh, the kids ratted me out that we went to a pizza buffet. Um, so... Uh, 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 I, I have not been the healthiest person, and, and now, the older I get, now uh, I start uh, eating what Lori's eating. I never thought I'd be eating uh, the stuff that she eats, and, and so we even split meals now and things like that, and, and eating healthy. I, I started doing that yesterday, uh, eating healthy, and, and so I, I, I understand the need for health. I'll never forget running a half marathon and preparing for that half marathon, you you would uh, make sure that you ate the right foods and a lot of protein and, and water being hydrated and, and things like that. And, and eating the right food can bring you great stamina. It can cause you to go a little further. Uh, in, in, I was growing up high school, I was in varsity basketball all the time and the coaches 
uh, really always got onto me because I would never forget even before I'd step on a court, uh, right before we come out of the locker room, I'd be gulping down Dr. Pepper and uh, didn't really care. I was never in the weight room, anything like that. As you can tell, I don't need weights. It's just natural. God's gifted me in that um, muscular ability there. And, and I, I'll never forget really not doing those things. And now that are so important as I get older for me to make sure I'm healthy. And it's the same thing with the spirituality of somebody. You know, a lot of times uh, we take for granted that, yes, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, it's, and you know you're on your way to heaven, and you know He's there for you, we take for granted, though, to have stamina in this life, making the right decisions. How many of you know that life is just full of decisions, and you hope half of them you make are right, and, and you're, you're really batting good? But, but life is full of decisions on this earth, and and we get a little lackadaisical, I know I have in my life, in seasons of my life, and to where I take for granted it's important what I spiritually eat. I spiritually eat. A church growth, gather, grow, go. Church growth is not just about numbers. It's about what we are feeding ourselves as a church spiritually. If we're not careful, church becomes a weekend event. And church becomes a weekend event and, and we'll find us a place and we'll come to church on Sunday, but we'll forget that it's, it's not just a weekend event, it's a community to belong. And it's important for us as a church to consider our priorities. If, if you think about it, even you, if I was to tell you, write down three to five priorities for you personally, you, you would write those down, three to five priorities. And, and you know... Uh, you can have vision drift. You know what that means? Vision drift. And, and you can have this focus and this vision of what you want life to be in the next 12 months. And if you're not careful, you'll be like most people who write New Year's resolutions. Uh, 30 days later, you're not even doing it anymore. And you've drifted away from your goal. I think that's what happens a lot of times spiritually and a lot of times in churches that we vision drift. I even think sometimes as a senior pastor here where I've had to repent of that, that God has called me to a vision. I have to stay on that vision. And if I'm not careful through my personality, through my circumstances, through my ideas and my wants, I'll have a vision drift and you'll think, where in the world did I come up with this and why in the world am I in the spot I'm in? All because we've drifted away from our priorities. It's the same thing for church. You know, God mandated five things for a church to focus on. We focus on so much more now, and, 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 it's, and it's amazing to me how we've drifted away from vision, and I believe a lot of it has to do because of the lack of spiritual food that we're eating. It, it is the same for the church in this. If we're going to grow to be more than just a crowd and are going to grow as a church community, we must stick with the main priorities that God has laid out for a church. In the book of Acts, five priorities are laid out. Let, let me just read them to you. We'll talk about them in a moment, but prayer... Priority is prayer. Priority is the word, studying God's word. Outreach, reaching out to others, telling them about your story and the gospel and how it changes. Unity and the Holy Spirit leading. Those are the five things. In order to have a church that is close to Jesus, God just says, I want you to do five things. Five things. For too long, churches have measured their success of the size of the crowds. And it's not that hard to get a crowd. It's not that hard to bring people together. It's not that hard to see people come together for a common cause. If you saw the news and, and uh, uh, Andrew Luck and, and his retirement announcement and, and even the, the common crowd that booed him off the field. It amazes to me what we can do in a common crowd. You can find anyone to agree with you. 
You can find anyone. Even the nuttiest of nuttiest people can find people to agree with their circumstance and their stand. This is the danger for a Jesus follower. It is easy to find a crowd to belong to. It is harder to find a spiritual community to feast with. It is easy to find a crowd to belong to, but it's harder to find a spiritual community to feast with. Let me dive deeper into that. One week on Sunday morning is not enough. If we're going to be a church that eats the right spiritual food and sees supernatural acts from God, it's not enough. There is a difference between a growing crowd and a church that's spirit-led. And it comes from taking time and eating the right food. Eating the right food. Uh, for instance, you got today uh, a handout of our growth groups. Uh, everybody in here should have that handout. If you look in this handout, I believe there's other 24 places that you right now can dive into groups. And it went from under 10 now to 24. Isn't that awesome? We have so many new people. Yeah, give them a hand. Give yourself a hand. That's awesome. Pastor Randall has done a great job with this. You, you, we, I, I love one that's really happening. I'm excited about, about it. We haven't had it, and I've prayed about this for many years. Divorce care. Uh, we have some uh, dealing with addiction. We have a triads that it, we're calling it uh, with prayer and, and, and uh, accountability. There's several small groups. There's women's group. There's men's morning discipleship. There's evening groups for men and women. And, and it's awesome to see how these groups are. And, and I would challenge you, if you want to grow spiritually and eat the right spiritual food, then sign up for these. Sign up for these. Find a way to get spiritually fed and to help others eat. Let me give you a passage of scripture. In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 42, the Bible sums up in one verse what a church is to focus on and eat to become a spirit-led church that continues to see supernatural things. Acts 2.42 says this, they devoted themselves. Let me stop right there. They devoted themselves. Would you say that statement with me? Ready? They devoted themselves. Man, I've seen people get so devoted at things. My wife, I mentioned she's, she's health and, and health conscious, and she loves the workout. And she's joined this group, and it's burned something. Uh, but she's joined this group, and man, you talk about her devotion to that exercise. You see people that are devoted to CrossFit. They're crazy. They're devoted to, that was a joke, kind of. Uh, they're devoted to certain things. You can be devoted to a ball team. You can be devoted to family. You can be devoted to so many things. But Acts chapter 2, the scripture says they devoted themselves. How many in here would be in agreement with me that you want to see a movement from God in your life and the life of others? How many would agree with me that you want to see God do something supernaturally in this church and outside of this church and in our community? We don't want to just be a, a church that comes weekly on attendance. We want to be a part of a spiritual community that sees the ground shake. And that's not going to shake just from a worship service. That's going to shake when we allow the Word of God to come alive in our life because we're going to eat and feast on it spiritually. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We can learn so much from the practices and priorities of the early church. There were no buildings or small groups at the time, but it's clear that the early church came together in the temple to worship and met in homes for deeper discussion and spiritual food. I'll give you a statement to look at. The church in Jerusalem was a model of what could happen when people bound together by belief in the gospel. 
an understanding of its implications and enjoyment of its blessings. The local church can be the most powerful entity on planet Earth if people came together feasting on spiritual food, devoting themselves. In Acts 2, we read about Pentecost and a large crowd. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, you see Acts 2, the beginning part, the Pentecost happened, a large crowd, and, and many believers came to Christ. How many of you are pumped for the people who have come to Christ uh, here in the last two years at Hamilton Hills? Come on, somebody. That's awesome, isn't it? I met someone this morning that received Christ last week. We had seven people come to Christ last week, and we had two people in the service before you where they started a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't get tired of that. We, that deserves more than a golf clap. How many of you remember, uh, believe that? That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I, many of you know, I don't know, surprise, I'm an evangelist at heart, and I love it. But I can tell you it's more than just making a decision for Christ. You've got to grow by feasting off spiritual food. If we're going to take this crowd of people that are accepting Jesus, we've got to get them the proper food because the world has junk food. Society can feed you full of junk. Schools can feed you full of junk. Clubs can feed you full of junk. Religion can feed you full of junk. And before you know it, you're going to have a bellyache when it comes to your spiritual life because circumstances change. People you thought would be in your life are no longer in your life or vice versa. Whatever the things may be in your life, circumstances change. And if you're feasting off the junk food of the world, you will not have the stamina because you will not have the spiritual food inside of you to make it through your circumstance. And so as you see this, there was a shift in community life in the Pentecost by eating spiritual food. And the purpose of Acts 2, 42 through 47 was twofold. First, how growth and development progressively took place through the preaching of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that happened was the preaching of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's the second thing. You see at Pentecost that changed at Acts 2, 42 through 47, they highlighted the fact that God was building a new community not simply dealing with isolated individuals. They highlighted the fact that people were doing life in a new community. That's why if you say and you isolate yourself spiritually, you're not only missing out on eating spiritual food, but you may be causing someone else to miss out on what God has for them by you blessing them with the exercise of your spiritual food. That makes sense to you? Someone in your influence may be missing out on you stuck where you're at. Someone in your influence may be missing out on you. Look, look, if you are breathing God's air, if you're not dead, God's not done. And no matter what you think of yourself, and no matter where you think things are, no matter what you think of your life and all your relationships, may I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that God has a plan for you. And if you live in isolation spiritually, not only are you missing out, but others are missing out as well. And so there was a shift in the atmosphere because they were feasting off the truth of God's word. And the early church was feasting on spiritual food, which allowed them to grow in the proper way. So the early church grew as its members focused on biblical teaching. If you just write down a couple of these statements in Acts 2, 42, the early church grew as its members focused on biblical teaching. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Instruction is an important part of the new community. Instruction was an important part of spiritual growth. Instruction is an important part. It's the hard part. Because sometimes when, when you're being taught and you're feasting on spiritual food, 
It, it could be even uh, not as emotional as a song. Sometimes feasting on spiritual food can even hurt because you may not like it. My wife cooked me last night squash. I wanted to squash it. I just did a pun, and I hate puns. That's stupid. Uh, squash. Sometimes you eat things that you don't like. Why in God's name did God create broccoli? It's disgusting unless you just soak it in cheese in the name of Jesus Almighty. What's my point? Sometimes we like to look over spiritual food because it hurts it's disgusting to us because it hits us at the very core because all people are naturally the human nature, our sin nature. We like to think of ourselves as better as we really are and we like to look at others and we think they're worse as they really are. Why? We give ourselves a pass all the time. I can't tell you how many times before I started being health conscious, I look in the mirror and go, well, that t-shirt, it, it fits. It's a little tight, but it fits. My point is this. My point is if you're not careful, you will push the spiritual food that God put in front of you at the time that you need it so you will grow in a healthy manner because you don't know the assignment and you don't know the destination he's sending you to. And without that spiritual food, something will be missing. And teaching is an important part of our community. The early church feasted on different types of food than the religious crowd, than the religions of Greece and the religions of Rome. And we often have this back-to-school mentality, spiritually. Man, how, how August, the first of August is crazy, isn't it? If you have kids going to school, it's crazy. Like, you got to run and, and, and shop with all their supplies, everything. And my wife and I, we like to pride ourselves sometimes that we're organized. And, and every Friday, we try to have a date day, and we'll plan. And in June, we plan. Um, this year, we're going to be prepared for school. We wrote down a list of everything our, our kids needed that are in school. And uh, we prepared to make sure the, the weekend before, we're not going to the store in August. And the weekend before, we went to the store anyway in August. Didn't do a thing about it. And we elbowed everybody in the mall. And we pushed people down in Old Navy. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I wanted to, but. Back to school every year. It's frantic, isn't it? Because, oh, my gosh. School's happening, so we got to go back to school. And you know that's the very thing we do spiritually? We see a decision coming on the horizon, so we run to Jesus. We have hurt, so we run to Jesus. We have issues, so we run to Jesus. And we become frantic about, oh my goodness, God, I need you. Oh my goodness, God, you got to help me with this decision. Oh my goodness. And you know what we do? We miss out on the very fact that if you had a consistent spiritual feast of God's word and consistently praying and consistently knowing God, that you would have a consistent walk where the food wouldn't taste as bad and you wouldn't push it away. But we are more like back to school Christians. And then we hear truth and it's harsh. We hear this and, and we make excuses or we'll run to people so, so they will agree with us of our decisions. And the early church made the word their priority so they grew properly because searching the scripture was at the center of their lives. And we are a society and have a church culture that feeds off our emotions more than anything else. Our emotions drive our spiritual feast instead of our spiritual feast driving our emotions. End of May was something I never thought I'd face. Many of you know my 
my brother, who's 50 years old, he died in the end of May. And a friend, Scott as well, sent me and others on just a journey. Probably the hardest time in my life was the two weeks after my brother died. I couldn't speak. Many of you blew up my phone with emails and texts, and I appreciated that. But I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't even talk to my family. My family had never seen me the way that I was. If I tried to speak, I would just uncontrollably cry. I'd be in restaurants that they take me to, and I'd just start crying, and I'd leave. Have you ever been in a position in your life that you never thought you would be in, in an emotional state that you never thought you would ever see? I mean, some people don't understand. I get that. But I found myself for two weeks. Two weeks I found myself that way until I finally realized, man, I, I've got I've to get up. And you know, what, you know what helped me? What helped me is before this circumstance ever happened that I was shocked by. I had been already feasting on spiritual food. You see why most Christians never get back up? Not because they're bad people. But because our priorities have changed and we're not feasting on the right food, spiritually speaking. God kept reminding me of his promises. During my grief, if I, I can say to you, if there's anyone grieving in this room, I can say to you, people who, uh, you may be in a circumstance you never thought you would be in. And maybe you were feasting spiritually like me before it ever happened. I, I want to just speak to you, if you're one person in this room, that go back to the promises of God. Go back to the blessing of God. Go back to his word, because sometimes you have to deny your emotions and believe and step out on faith on the promises of God. And if you feasted on them, that's a memory muscle that's happening. You're reading. You say, well, I, I can't read. You're looking at a guy that has dyslexia. Reading is hard for me. I'm not talking about reading the whole Old Testament. I'm not talking about reading the whole, but start somewhere reading and praying and spending time in God's word. And, and, and I'll never forget how God reminded me of his promises because I was feasting. And if you have not been feasting right now in the midst of a dark journey, start feasting on him right now. Can I say to you, before you make a decision, before you make a decision, maybe something's happened, you're disappointed, maybe someone's hurt you, or maybe there's been a death, whatever it may be, before you ever make a decision, can I challenge you for the next 30 days, 30 days, put on your calendar, before you make a major decision and go talk to everybody else about it, I challenge you to talk to Jesus and feast on Scripture, not controlling the outcome, but Him leading you to His outcome. Because you can, you can take the Bible. Man, I can take the Bible. I could have told you every which way why it's okay for me to feel the way I do. Every which way it's okay for me to quit. Every which way so, why, that I should be mad at somebody. Every which way that I should have bitterness. Every which way I can find truth when I'm trying to control the outcome. But can I challenge you if you just come to the table every day and whatever's put in front of you, you feast on. And whatever's put in front of you, you feast on. And you may not like it because it may sting. And you may not like it because it doesn't seem for you. And you may not like it because... I it's not fair and you may not like it because it's hard and you may not like it because it's not emotionally uh, driven by you but if you surrender your all for 30 days I promise you with a money back guarantee that God will show up in a divine way that you've never seen in your life
And as I walked through that journey and I fell apart, God was putting me back together. And sometimes it was quick and quiet, and sometimes it seemed longer than others, but the habit of the word was forming in my heart, and it gave me stamina through the season in my life. The early church grew as the members spent time together in fellowship. I'll fly through these two. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. Fellowship with one another is one of the most underrated things we do as a church today. If you're in town next week, bring a friend and fellowship. Next weekend is about us worshiping together, uh, giving you a word about go and then fellowship. Fellowship. In the early church, fellowship was a clear, practical expression of the new relationship they experienced together through a common faith in Christ. That relationship brought forth a sense of responsibility to one another. You want to say, hey, I want to have my light uh, shine in this world. How many of you agree with each other in your family all the time? I didn't think so. Do you know sometimes if you stick around here, you're not going to agree with things? You're going to have issues. You're going to think, well, I wish they wouldn't have done that. Or, or I think they should. Or I, you know, we, 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 we have those issues. But if you read the statement, the difference between us and the world should be this. This is how we show our light. We have a responsibility to each other because we are bonded by our relationship with Jesus Christ as a family of faith. And then the early church grew as its members shared meals together. Come on, who doesn't like this point? We can all come in unity in this one, right? Okay, maybe not. It says this. They broke bread. And, and, and I know that's a metaphor. I, I know what that means. It's unclear whether this verse refers to the Lord's Supper or a reference to having some meals together of which the Lord's Supper was a part. Either way, the verse suggests as an intimate interaction and mutual acceptance that was a part of community life. There's a mutual acceptance. We may be different, but there was an acceptance. We may be at different paces, but there was an acceptance. We may, we may have different spiritual maturity, but there was an acceptance. We, we, we may be in different walks of life, but there's acceptance. There's a grace, a grace, grace, gr gr grace. I have a hard time with sometimes. Unconditional love. Anybody have a hard time with that? Especially if you're a Florida Gator fan in the name of Jesus. Grace, love, peace, joy, long-suffering. There is an interaction that was different from everybody else because in society today, we all group together in what we're like and what we're for and what we're not for. But the church should be different because it shouldn't be known for what it's against. It should be known for what it's for. And it is for the unconditional love that Jesus shows. It's for us giving each other grace. It's for us giving each other the benefit of the doubt. It's for us saying, I'm sorry, when we need to say, I'm sorry. It's for us... Uh, Stepping out, looking like a fool if we have to, to say, hey, I want to be more like Jesus and he's directed me this way. The early church grew as its members spent time together in prayer. Prayer. It says this, and to prayer. Prayer is the work and is the major theme through the entire book of Acts. It is associated with the movement of the spirit of the power of God. And Acts prayer is central thing. If we want to be a church that has the ground shake, if we want to be a church that is a part of the atmosphere shifting, then, then the people in this building have got to actually believe that prayer can change things. 
The enemy knows that a prayerless church is a powerless church. Therefore, with all the power he possesses, he wants to stop you and your church from praying. Did you look at that statement on the screen? A prayerless church is a powerless church. Therefore, with all the power he possesses, he wants to stop you. You see, can I, can I just tell you this? I don't want to burst your bubble. But I don't think the enemy really cares much that you come to church. I think the enemy cares if you start feasting on the spiritual food at church and you start being the church. This is what he wants. I'm going to be very transparent with you. I think one of the hardest things spiritually that I've done in my life is like pray with my wife. See, come on, Mark. That's, I'm sorry. It just, it's, I, I, I pray in front of hundreds of people. I, I lead prayer groups. I, I pray with different people. And it was so hard to break that barrier to start praying with my wife. And you know what I believe? I believe the enemy had a lot to do with that because when two people come in unity and agreement of God's word together through prayer, it shakes the atmosphere. I don't mean just pray together. I mean pray in unity based off feasting of God's word. And when a church understands that the enemy wants a prayerless church, and if we can turn around to a prayerful church, we can change things. And prayer is often skipped or squeezed out of church services. It can be awkward. One of the hardest things I did was pray with my wife. But I can tell you, it's been some of the most close moments that we have now together. The other day, in fact, we've been... Oh, gosh, my wife's so health conscious. She's been bugging me for over a year to get a bike. Finally, I bought bikes. And when you see people riding bikes, you think, that's not too bad. And we started riding bikes like about a month ago together and over off of Brook School Road, if you know where that is, and down by Geist, and there's this bench there. and We're riding, and I'm dying. She's like, let's go more. No. The other day, Friday, we were riding our bikes and we sat down on that bench and there was a lady sitting on the other bench and she had a dog there. And we didn't really even think about it. But we've started about a month now praying at this bench. We stopped and I really am just praying because I want to stop because I'm tired. She's probably more spiritual than me. But we started praying together. This lady overheard us praying and she looked. It was kind of funny. She goes, are you guys praying? Like, she, you're praying right here? Well, why not? And that was it. That was the story. I didn't really have any big story to tell you. I just thought of it in my head while I was ending the sermon. <laughs> That's funny. But it bonded us together. I used to be afraid of that. I used to be afraid, man, if I start praying, I, I believe, but if I start praying, that person is going to get offended or, or that person is going to think I'm weird or that person is going to think I'm crazy. You know what I'm learning? That when you're led by the Spirit, most people do think you're crazy. Most people do think you're weird. Most people don't understand. Uh, there's more conflict. It's spiritual warfare. And what God needs you to do is be confident and in Jesus' name. Don't neglect the spiritual food in prayer because when you pray, the Bible tells us in agreement with another believer through his word, it can shift the atmosphere. So as you 
come to the end of this prayer of submission that we need someone greater and that we trust him with the outcome. So this is why I think that I had a hard time. Because through my journey in life, I, I don't let my family see my emotions. They have a lot lately. They're probably tired of it. My wife, take care of her, take care of my kids. We make it. Even with some of you reaching out to me, it's hard for me. I'm just telling you, it may not be right, but it's hard for me. Because all of us at some point want to control. But when you bow your head in submission to his will and don't control an outcome, that takes humility. Humility. I pray you'll get that. Would you stand to your feet with me? As we close, I want to put on the screen. I want to put on the screen the, the examples, of the five things. Prayer. The word. Outreach. Unity. Holy Spirit leading. Would you say that with me? Prayer. The word. Outreach. Unity. Holy Spirit leading. If we're going to grow, it's going to be those five things. Say it like you mean it now. You're a part of it. Ready? Prayer. The word. Outreach. Unity. Holy Spirit leading. Say it one more time. Prayer. The word. Outreach. Unity. Holy Spirit leading. Five things. Five things. The Bible tells us if we come together in agreement on, it pushes the enemy backwards. We come together in agreement when someone goes through hurt, when someone goes through sorrow, when someone's ugly, we still love them unconditionally. May we show a difference in our community because we're growing spiritually. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your head right there? bow your head and just contemplate. Maybe, maybe the Spirit's nudged you a little bit. Maybe someone's offended you. or Maybe you've offended someone. I, it, I don't know what it is. I should just stop with the scenarios. Say, Pastor Mark, God's speaking to me. I've been more focused and cloudy on my circumstance, my challenges, my hurt, my problems, the life change. And as hard as it is today, I'm going to start feasting on spiritual food. That's my prayer. you enjoyed today's podcast if you made a decision or would like to know more about us you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at hamilton hills church also if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the hamilton hills church podcast